Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. What is the secret recipe to living a profitable life, a life that is about more than just the amount of money you make? And how do you live that profitable life every single day? Well, in this episode, entrepreneur and author of the book, Life Profitability, A.D. Pinar, shares with you why you need to create what he calls a life portfolio. 
You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Compton Game, where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. Most of us have clothes that we've loved for years, maybe even decades. But it's harder than ever to find clothes that will stand the test of time. If you're looking for more pieces designed to last, you can't go wrong with American Giant. From hoodies and t-shirts to denim and more, they've got everything you need to build a wardrobe that you'll be proud of for years to come. All American Giant clothing is created with a commitment to doing things better. From the materials they use down to the last stitch in every piece. And everything is made right here in America in partnership with people and communities because keeping things local ensures the kind of quality you'll appreciate as soon as you receive your order. Discover the American Giant difference today. Shop wardrobe essentials that last a lifetime at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code LT23 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code LT23. This episode has left a mark on me for good, and I know it's going to do the same for you. So you're familiar with this idea of an investment portfolio, right? Whether it's stocks, bonds, retirement accounts, etc. It's just money that is put away that is hopefully growing in value over time. But what about the idea of a life portfolio, a collection of all the things you love in life, family, hobbies, career, money, giving back, etc.? the whole you, and then feeding those things daily so you feel fulfilled. We can't escape the fact that money always helps, but isn't your life worth more than the amount in your bank account? 80's story really inspires me. For him, selling two multi-million dollar businesses just wasn't enough. He was an entrepreneur because he wanted freedom. Instead, he was stuck in a destructive cycle, almost losing everything in his constant search for more. Then he changed his mindset, his expectations, and his life. Eddie needed to make a change, and through that change came this idea of creating a life portfolio detailed in his new book, Life Profitability. So by the end of this episode, you'll know why you need a life portfolio, how to create yours, and truly how to live a profitable life. Let's dive in. Well, Eddie, I am so excited to have you on the show. I know you're coming to us all the way from South Africa. So I'm I'm very happy that technology is allowing us to connect today. So thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, Shana. And the good news for everyone that um, has ever doubted, uh, Google just announced, I think about two months ago, that they're spending uh, quite a big chunk of money, especially in the greater Cape Town area, to further add undersea uh, fiber optic cables. So um, I am here on a fiber optic cable at this stage, uh, but it should be getting even more connected and better for everyone wanting to connect with awesome people in Africa pretty soon. That's really good to hear. (laughs) I have a soft spot for uh, Cape Town. One of my best friends 
uh, used to live there. And in 2012, I actually went to Africa for the first time, went to Kenya and went down to Cape Town and just absolutely fell in love and, and can't wait for the next time I can I can get back to. How, how are things in South Africa during these like these crazy times right now? Yeah, you know what's I, I think um, I, I would say it's okay, but I think in saying it's okay, um, I I have to acknowledge that you know South Africa has one of the highest, if not the highest, uh, Gini coefficient in the world. Um, I believe it's what we call mm, so. Yeah. So kind of that disparity between um, you know average or upper kind of you know, middle class and kind of poor people. Um, so I hundred percent acknowledge that my experience of the last year or so in South Africa probably does not mirror kind of, you know, millions of other people's, the biggest percentage of people in, in South Africa. So f- I'm fortunate in that sense. Like my family and I have had many great kind of bonding experiences and, um, you know, financially we were lucky not to be severely affected. So um, I think like that's the per- you know, first perspective. And then in terms of how we're doing, I think the, the bigger question is how quickly our government at, you know, at this stage can start um, or at least accelerate a vaccination program. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's hard to believe that not even a year ago we wouldn't be having this conversation. Sometimes I think that the last year was like the longest year ever. And in some ways, it also was the fastest year. I mean, it's just one of those like really crazy, strange anomalies, I think. Yeah. And I think like that's probably the trick for many people, right? Is to eventually, like when we get beyond, and I want to say this year, I think this phase, right? And um, I had a, a really good friend over the weekend say, uh, you know, this is never really going to end. Like once this pandemic stops, we're actually just like, you know, a little closer to the next pandemic. And that sounds morbid, but I think these kinds of disruptions in what we consider normality is probably a big part of our future. And again, like I'm, I'm a super optimist, um, but that was an interesting take. And I think what that probably means for me is if I have to look back at the last year is because I had that same sensation you described there of this felt like a really long year, yet it passed so quickly. So to actually identify those good things um, or memorable things, at least they might not even be good. We don't have to judge them, but memorable things that actually did occur because that is still the truth. And um, you know, kind of holding on to that truth and, you know, building our future on on that foundation of the truth, the things that actually did happen, those those memorable things, you know, from yeah. the last year or so. Yeah, that actually like really leads into we've got a lot I wanna I wanna talk to you about today, but I think if anything really came out for me over the last year is reevaluating what the idea of success means for me in all different areas of my life. I think if I'm talking about money, I usually ask people to really sit and and figure out how much money do you need to actually make to live the life you want to live versus some random number that maybe society tells us we need to make. It's a very simple and yet complex question. So going back to success, kind of thinking about it at large, how can we individually figure out what success really means to us or what our version of success is and 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 be okay with that. Yeah. And I think you mentioned something something great there, right, Shannon, which is just that notion of uh when like 
money still makes the world go round. At least the kind of the, the society we live in, you know, kind of in. There's also physics, etc., at play that actually makes the world you know turn around. But <laughs> you know, and in terms of the kind of you know, the way we operate our daily lives, money is a big component thereof. And there's no denying that there's no philosophy or, or ideology, like or anything that I can pose here that takes away that you know from that fact. But I think you mentioned something very important, which I think is part of that success, which is like money is is I don't think money is ever the end goal. Um, like whoever wants money and has some kind of monetary goal, they ultimately want something else, right? Whether it's something <laughs> seemingly simple, like, you know, you want to buy a Ferrari or um, you want to clear your student debt or you want to travel the world, like whatever the case is, like everyone wants something else. And I think we should be optimizing for that something else versus, and you mentioned the like arbitrary um, kind of monetary number to, or goal to, to strive for. So, I think the for me at least when when I think about success then is once I have that the, almost that future vision of money I try and trace that back um, to what it actually means in my daily life today and what that physically means is I think you know for many people um, you know I, I've heard many people say you know what I want to make a million dollars because then I will be able to take that island vacation and I can take my whole extended family along so. What I actually hear them say is family and time with family is important. So, yes, you don't necessarily have that kind of money to do that exact thing with your family right now. But what else can I do in my daily life today to start integrating parts of that? And I think all of us have like multiple parts and components to life and our kind of ambition, professional work, like monetary pursuits is just one of them. And I think success is about being able to say, here's that full list, that full life portfolio of things that I need to invest in every single day. Just like you would kind of you know, balance a, a proper financial investment portfolio and making sure that all of the investments get the necessary attention, right? Whether it's more investment, less investment, et cetera. But just thinking about that on a kind of broader life kind of basis and saying, here's all those components, whether it's family, my work, my hobbies, um, philanthropy, whatever those things are, and then feeding those things on a on a you know, daily or weekly doesn't matter, but trying to get more you know more to back, kind of back to today and the present rather than having this long term goal that we may or may never actually get to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so much there, and it it really it always uh, sparks this curiosity in me of this relationship between success and happiness. And I don't know quite how the messaging got told the way it did for years, which was that those two things were, you couldn't have both of those, right? You either were happy in your life or you were successful. And whether you ran your own business or work for a company, it didn't matter. Those two things could not go together. How do you think we got to this point where those two things were so separated? Oh, that's a good question. I think um, I think it's a modern day society thing, right? And I think what the first part of this that we should acknowledge here is that, you know, capitalism as a model is a man-made model, man-made, human-made. Yes. And I think to that very nature, we should acknowledge that there has been no perfect human being um, ever in kind of you know on in this universe, so inherently any ideas that a human has come up with has had its flaws, and I think when capitalism and you know first you know came to rise and we started creating you know from 
the kind of barter-based you know, markets we had, et cetera, and the economies evolved, we probably didn't foresee that kind of people are inherently a little bit greedy, right? We, we Plus, we have this whole hedonic you know, kind of adaptation thing where, you know, the, the more we get, the less we you know are actually grateful for the things <laughs> we have, right? And I think probably, and again, I'm all over in terms of the dots I'm connecting here. I think all of those things kind of plays into the human ego. And for anyone that's ambitious, whether it's kind of related to money or whether it's about impact or whether it's about creating art, right, out in the world, I don't think we would do those things if we didn't have ego. So ego is an important part of this, but it probably creates a, this that disconnect between, you know, pure money and pure happiness. Um, purely because I, I, I don't think, like, those two things are almost directionally oppositional, even though there is an overlap in those things. Um, so I think that's the, the I, right. that's probably like where I would start to investigate where this happened, right? Was just that when our kind of your forefathers and mothers decided that this was, this was going to be the model that we adopt in our society. And this was going to become the predominant model in our society. We never foresaw that um, there's going to be so many other things that happen in future. And today, for example, I think the, the biggest challenge and probably more so for, you know, for teenagers today, but we have we have incredible access to information, right? Whether it's social media or just news outlets, which means we're constantly comparing ourselves, right? We're constantly seeing this entrepreneur yeah. sell their business for X or that entrepreneur raising Y or, you know, this teenager that kind of has more followers or likes than kind of that teen- teenager at school. So we're like, we're constantly reminded almost of our imperfections, our flaws, our inadequacies, whereas in the past it wasn't like that. But again, that creates that that constant striving of then saying, well, I, if I just had more money, then these other things would also be true for me. And I think that's, that, I think that's a fallacy in its own right. Um, but I think that's where that kind of energy and that discontent starts happening. And I, I love that you bring up that, that fallacy between money and, and having a quote unquote wealthy life, which I talk about a lot on this show, because I think it's really important that that message is echoed over and over and over again. And, you have this great story. I'd love to talk about it a little bit. You sold two businesses for multi-million dollars, a lot of money, really in search of of freedom and, and redefining, I think. You could tell me a little bit better, but really redefining that success and happiness kind of correlation, if you will. Tell me a little bit about, about your journey and some of these changes that that you made in order to kind of come out this other side, looking at life from this different perspective. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. 
And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I mean, I think the the first thing, Shona, that I would kind of, you know, where I would tell start telling the story is I... I built the first product that eventually became WooThemes and WooCommerce during my final months at university uh, way back in 2007. And by that stage, I had already committed to, to taking a job um, in January the following year, you know, post-graduation. And I got started in the job six weeks in 
I was earning the same on the side from, you know, these products that you know my co-founders and I were building, to what my my corporate overlord was was paying me, and I did that exact kind of that that math and made that exact decision, which was I wanted freedom. I wanted freedom in terms of what I worked on, how I worked on it, um, you know, with whom I worked, etc. So I made the jump, um, you know, went full time in you know on the business, and I probably had this very linear or very I wouldn't say linear, very narrow view of what that actually meant at that stage for me being an entrepreneur. The business was going well, it grew really well. And I think the first time that I realized something was off was when Eddie Jr. was he was probably about six months old. And my wife told me at one stage, she said, Do you realize that you are managing your son in the same way that you would manage any any anyone on your team at work? And I, I looked at her, I looked at her absolutely dumbfounded. And then she explained. She said, "You know what? You're you're constantly rushing from, you know, this email to changing a diaper, to you know, being on the phone whilst you're kind of giving him a, a bottle, etc. And you're never fully present with him." Um, wow. And I think that was the first at the first stage at which I realized like this this very like I was laser focused on success at that stage, and, and not that I I don't think I was. I, I don't think I was being a complete idiot in my rest of you know, life, but what I now understand at least is that very kind of that laser focus on business success created a lot of collateral damage in other places in my life that I was totally ignorant about before because people were probably not telling me or I was not stopping for long enough and actually looking around me in terms of what damage I was actually creating elsewhere. Because the the biggest part of the narrative was, well, you know, AD is you know, co-founder and CEO of this massively growing company, et cetera. So I think that was that kind of that that first moment that I realized that there was a bit of a disconnect. But I was still young and relatively foolish. And I ultimately kind of I almost forced my way out of that business, kind of con- you know, convinced myself that I was a wanted wonder mm-hmm. and I needed to do something else um, to to prove that I wasn't a wanted wonder. And what most people don't realize is when WooCommerce sold to, to Automatic, the company, the parent company for WordPress itself, uh, about 18 months later, I was actually not on the cap table anymore. And I don't know what the kind of the delta is between the valuation for what I sold, which was already life-changing to what my co-founder sold. All I know is there was a big delta there. That was the extent to which this ego was still kind of right. running me. And you know what? Well, so I... I have no regrets about that part thereof because there was a box that I needed to check, which was I'm not a wanted wonder. So I never looked at the the financial part of it, but in that whole kind of exit of the business there for for two three years, again I had created collateral damage. I, I damaged um, you know a six seven year friendship with my co-founders, which took immense effort eventually um, to and humility to eventually try and fix you know years later, um, and luckily that's been the case. And I think the the last part of the story there, just in terms of the arc, um, Sean, is probably about midway through my second business, Convergio, that I sold about 18 months ago, but about halfway through, I think about 2015. Um, I got to a point where most other things in my life started breaking down, where this very kind of narrow focus on ambition and just plowing and pushing forward created so much stress in the rest of my life that I almost lost kind of everyone and everything that was dear mm. to me. And it was, I think it, it was the grace of those people around me and a really smart, 
you know, therapist that got me into mindfulness, helped me understand that, you know, monkey brain was on fire <laughs> and I, 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 I needed to kind of, you know, relax a little bit. And it was only at that stage. I said, this is about five years ago, five and a half years ago now. I think it's only at that stage where I really started broadening my perspective about what it meant, what, what success would mean to me firstly, and how my business, my professional work actually fits into that success, that the one isn't the other, and that, that I couldn't always prioritize this one thing as the primary predominant kind of influencer of what my days, weeks, months looks like, how I feel at that stage. I needed to give these other things around, you know, around that, and the other things which are probably much more important in my life, um, significantly more investment in terms of my presence, my intention, my energy. Right. The the stuff that money can't buy necessarily. I love that. I love that you exactly. yeah, I love that you mentioned mindfulness and therapy. I'm a I'm a huge therapy fan. I talk about it openly. I think that sometimes we need help figuring out how we even feel. And mindfulness for me has been an absolute game changer. It's really I talk about it a lot on the show about uh, money mindset and and thinking about things from a different perspective, even understanding why you think about certain things, why you think or feel certain ways about money and how maybe you can um, take the charge away or the stigma array and how by doing that, that really then changes the arc, if you will, uh, of your money, of your life in total. That's the way I feel at least. Yeah. And and that totally resonates with me, Shana. I mean, I initially, I got in a whole (laughs) <laughs> I I did what every kind of um you know ego driven person would do um which was kind of <laughs> had to meditate every single day had to read all kind of so many books about buddhism and whatnot and it was eventually a friend um that was slightly further along on kind of a similar journey than I was and he said you know Adi, just remember that the pursuit of no ego is also just ego right and like that was a bit mm. of a aha moment for me and so I'm not like in terms of my mindfulness kind of practice. I I don't have a a dedicated practice, but the thing that it has taught me is touching on what you you said is what I would call awareness, just this constant awareness of firstly, kind of what am I thinking and feeling, but also like expanding that to those others around me or the other things that are important because the, I want to say, unfortunately, um, but again, I, I don't mean to judge like the way I've just gotten to know myself and my mind is that I tend to have kind of two different modes. One is drawing on all these different stimuli in my life, connecting dots that, you know, other people's wouldn't, you kind of wouldn't necessarily connect. And then I have ability to take that and I have kind of, I can go really fast and really hard in a kind of very specific direction. And those two things have helped me accomplish many, many things, but it's not conducive to considering kind of naturally considering those around me or considering kind of my own well-being necessarily. And that's where that kind of, you know, the awareness of that mindfulness comes from is to, to know when I'm in either of those states and just acknowledge that. And then to essentially remember that there are still other things that I need to keep in mind as well. Um, and that's that, that kind of just doing that, just, I think for many people, just once you can exercise that, that muscle, that awareness, and you, you know, where kind of, whether it's ego, whether it's, um, you know, you know, subpar you know, thoughts or feelings um, kind of show up, just acknowledging them and understanding the moment you're finding yourself in relative to to that as well. I think being able to 
proactively course correct and doing those kind of little micro kind of changes versus these sweeping changes. Like I said, I mean, when, when my life almost broke down in, in 2015, I had to make a kind of, it's a massive pivot. I had to kind of undergo a big change. And I said, I was lucky in the sense that I could save um, everything and everyone that was dear to me. But in other situations, I might not have been as fortunate because it was too big a change. It was you know, too risky. Yeah. I think it's a much more, it's a much safer, much healthier um, approach to try and iterate and proactively change things versus these big sweeping pivots in our lives. Yeah, the sweeping pivots can be a little painful <laughs> to go through. I've been through uh, definitely a few myself. And I, I would imagine that all of this has led to your new book, Life Profitability, The New Measure of Entrepreneurial Success. I would imagine that all of that has kind of uh, you know, been encapsulated in this book. But tell me a little bit about the book and... Do you do you feel like you needed to go through all this in order to be able to impart these lessons on other people? Yes, I mean I think there's no way that I could write the book um had I not you know firsthand experienced at least some of these things and you know experiencing some of these things is is literally perhaps sometimes just deeply exploring an idea or a thought and trying to apply it and seeing kind of, you know, where that, where that rabbit hole takes us. So it's not necessarily an actual action or decision at all times, but it is trying to kind of experience various things. So I definitely don't think, I don't think I would have written the book if I had a completely different journey, for example. So the book, as you mentioned, it's called Life Profitability. And the, the term Life Profitability comes from the kind of very notion, borrowing from the financial term, which we totally understand, which is financial profitability in our businesses, in our lives, in our investments. But trying to broaden that and trying to say, how can I build a business? How can I build a professional career that is not just financially profitable in the narrow sense of the word, but truly kind of profits my life? So being that kind of life profitable. And I I wanted to write this because I again like I, I mentioned that I think you know capitalism is, is is flawed. I don't think capitalism is a bad thing. And I think that it's created many of the great things that we have in our world in 2021. But I do see flaws with it. And that's why I, like, I'm like i trying to put an idea out in the world that kind of remixes that a little, augments that, that notion right. of what a capitalistic society looks like by probably just going back to our nature. And when I say nature, I think one of the, you know, we always find models in our literature that has stood the test of time. And I think, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs is, is one of them. And I mentioned earlier this idea of this life portfolio, like all these things that are important to us. And for me, like if I can hit or check more of those boxes effectively and, you know, work slash money slash professional ambition is just one of them, then I'm getting much closer to life profitability because then I'm probably doing things that are the closest to my kind of you know, highest personal values, right? So, and, and for me, yeah. like those highest values are like anything from my, my family and my home life, right? Very prominent kind of value there. There are also other things in terms of my character traits, my kind of appetite for learning, my appetite for challenges. I, I know that I kind of, I need to kind of be feeding those things on a regular basis because otherwise, like just this 80, this unique version of me 
then I'm discontent. And at some end of the kind of spectrum, you know, little parts of my um, life portfolio is about being able to geek out about wine, like having a good glass of wine with good friends and then kind of geeking out <laughs> about it. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> right? So, and that's that's obviously insignificant relative to the value I kind of invest in this kind of uh, place in my family, but it's still something that needs to kind of be there. And if I compiled that whole list of things, like that is the life portfolio that I should be able to invest in by building a business that is not just narrowly kind of financially profitable, but broader, kind of you know, profitable in a much broader, wholesome, holistic sense and making it life profitable. I love that idea of of a life portfolio of thinking about I think too often we think about money or career or family. We put them in these little boxes and we tend to, you know, put the lock in the, you know, we lock them away in these little boxes and everybody has all these little boxes and the little boxes aren't necessarily supposed to go together. But if we think about it more as holistic, that all of these things need to go together and all of these things make you, quote unquote, again, wealthy, all of these things make you feel like a person. I just feel like that's just such a better way of of going through life. I know it's not always easy to to really see things that way, but I just feel like, gosh, that just that just feels so much better at the end of the day. Yeah, and you know what? The, the story, or the probably not even a story, the little hot take that I have here, because I think anyone that has explored what you described there before would probably have come across and would probably use words like work life balance themselves. And I think I think work-life balance is such it's such a I think the term has failed many of us, right? Many people that have tried to pursue work-life balance and they've not found it. And I think the reason for that is what you just you know described there, which is work and life are not these two kind of independent separate things that are on two other sides, kind of completely opposite sides of the spectrum, and they can keep each other in balance. Right. I think that's like I think that's just wrong. Instead, I think work is just part of kind of life because i also don't believe that either that we you know love to work or work to love so i think if if you wanted balance in life and again i think if we look at nature going truly back to nature right in the universe the the concept of things being in balance things being equilibrium like that is a natural occurrence so the fact that human beings us as human beings feel that need for balance that makes total sense the way to kind of get that balance is by making, kind of identifying all those things that needs to go into your life portfolio and then making sure that they can keep each other in balance and acknowledging to your point that they're not these independent, isolated things, right? Because if I've had a crappy day of work and I walk out of my office, I am not as kind of you're playful and friendly with my kids, <laughs> right? Or if I went, if, if my wife and I went to bed angry at each other, right? I wake up tomorrow morning I still feel a little kind of ah oh, this like this this argument or this discussion isn't finished yet, and that creates a drag kind of on my productivity in my work because mentally part of me is still elsewhere, right? Which it should rightly be. So trying to say that kind of these things don't influence each other because they're isolated, I think kind of totally neglects the magic that is out in the world where if we were to illuminate more parts of this and we were able to kind of incorporate more parts of this in every moment, in every day um, of our lives. Like, I think that's where the magic is, the magic of feeling balanced, the magic of feeling kind of happiness, the ha- you know, magic of 
feeling content. I love that idea, the magic, the magic of it all. And I, one of the things you talk about is the idea of understanding your impact, which I really love that. And I think we can also talk about that in terms of being an entrepreneur, but we can also talk about that in terms of just being a human being and thinking about how how we can all make an impact. And I'm curious because I know that a lot of people listening think, well, I'm not 80. I've, I've not done what he's done. I've not, maybe I won't be able to make an impact in, in that way. H- how can we sort of right ourselves with the with the feeling that all of us can make an impact and it doesn't necessarily have to be a big huge multi-million dollar business but that we can make impacts every day in our lives and in other people's lives yeah i, I love the question so you know a big part of um my team and i some context my my team and i went into a very specific market and we we built email marketing automation tools for e-commerce businesses. And one of the things that we recognized very early on was the fact that we actually don't really like consumerism. And we acknowledge that we're building tools here that some <laughs> kind of, you know, some businesses, some brands would use to promote consumerism. And we tried many things in the business, leveraging the business, the product, et cetera, to try and change that on a kind of much bigger, broader scale. And we totally failed at that. Like that, that was like that was our mission to have that kind of impact. And we just couldn't do that. And it was just after I started my mindfulness journey where I had this bit of a aha moment, which was, okay, if I can't have that impact on that kind of broader scale, like can I bring it back kind of you closer to home? And the initial kind of impact when I started changing things was going through that journey myself about being more mindful. But I then identified that I could probably be a much better spouse to my husband, uh, to my husband, sorry, to my wife, right? <laughs> I got you, I um, got you. I, I, thanks. Um, so better spouse to my to, to my wife, better dad to my kids. But then what I could do is I, I could structure the work we were doing as a team to ensure that kind of my team members experience a similar kind of, you know, whether it's freedom or wellness or space that I was experiencing from the business. Because when that happens, I think we create these rippling, this rippling outwards effect, similar way to what which you would throw a small pebble, you know, into a lake and it ripples outwards. Like, I think when we do good and simple interactions with individual people, right, that creates a ripple. And when all of us are doing, I can, I think them rippling out because me doing that for you, for example, you would ripple out, I would ripple out. And eventually when, Everyone close to us is rippling out. You've also seen like when you throw two pebbles like close to each other and those ripples towards the edges start bouncing off each other and it creates this, again, this exponential like little burst of magic and extra energy. And like for me, you know, answering your question directly there, I think that's the way to do it. I think, you know, impact starts in the smallest of interactions generally, right? And you literally kind of, you, you give what you have to give. And oftentimes, that is as simple as just being present, right? Like, I think that's the thing that most people forget is, you know, when we give our, you know, someone else our time and true presence, like being there just in that moment, like no phone, your know, smartphone, you know, pinging because this needs that or this sales notification, et cetera. But just being present there, I think that's, that's already impactful. In a world that so needs that, like that's probably the first thing that all of us can aspire to be doing. I like that idea of rippling. I think that's something you can really visualize and see how 
just your small daily interactions with with people can really ripple out and create change. I love that idea. And while we've we've talked about so much on this episode, I want to encapsulate it a little bit this idea of of life profitability. What would you say if there are one or two things we could we could do today that we could start doing today to really cultivate that idea of life profitability? What would those be? Yeah, so I think there's there's probably there's two steps for me, Shana. So the first I think is to truly take a step back. Like it doesn't matter where you are in your journey at this stage, whether it's you know somewhere kind of along an existing journey where you're thinking about starting a new journey, but just taking a step back and actually go back to that very kind of deep you know core place within yourself and and truly try and answer those questions about like what are my highest values um, and if anyone like wants to start there, I include parts of this kind of, or I reference it at least in, in my book, but the book that helped me through that is um, Dr. John Demartini. He wrote a book, The Values Factor. Um, try and find, like, even if you didn't want to you know, pay for that book or mine, both for good reads, slightly biased, but just try and find, he, he Dr. Demartini has 13 questions that you answer yourself and you kind of almost meditate on it. Um, and I did it over the course of about a week where I, added bits to it. And it starts highlighting what those kind of values are. And once you have that, then you shift that to actually understanding how, like if this were to play out, if I had to construct a life portfolio based on those values, what would it actually look like? And the reason I I, I think that's always the start for anyone that wants to pursue greater life profitability is when we are making decisions and taking actions that are closer to our highest values, they are literally just more, they come more natural, which means there's less friction. They're more energy efficient. And doing that in a world where we'll probably already feel, and many listeners here feel they have never anything to do, to do lists. That's kind of doing things that has that kind of natural energy that is energizing in its own right, because it feels so natural to us, starts creating space. And once we have that space, we can probably use that space and kind of redistribute that space in those previously neglected areas of kind of our life portfolio. I don't know about you, but I want to live a profitable life. And early in my 20s, I was definitely more focused on pursuing money. And that led to my own breakdown, if you will, like 80 shared. But I think you don't have to experience a breakdown to want to live life to its fullest. So if this idea of a life portfolio of life profitability really interests you, here's how you can connect with 80. Yeah. So the the best place for most people would probably be um, to grab a copy, either paperback or uh, Kindle version on Amazon. Otherwise, most major retailers uh, should be carrying it. If you don't find it there, the two places to connect with me directly is uh, I'm at 80, 80 I on Twitter. The double I is because it's a nickname and I chose it in the, in the year that the Nintendo Wii came out. Um, very clever kind of branding branding strategy that I've had to clarify um, for the last you know, 13 or 14 years. So I'm at ADII on Twitter or my personal blog is ADII.me. Hey, thank you so much, friend, for checking out this episode. It means the world to me. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor, share it with your friends, share it with your family members and pass along the knowledge. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode.
you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode.